Hi, this is Tom from The Happiness Quotient. Thank you for clicking on this episode. If you've chosen to listen to some of my first episodes, 60 or so, they were created before I changed the name to The Happiness Quotient. Don't be confused if you hear my voice welcoming you to Baker Street with Tom Pollard or if you hear me referencing my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery, you're still in the right place. Until I'm a big star and can hire an editor and producer to change every episode to reflect the platform, my gut tells me you'll be okay with hearing Baker Street or Everest Mystery when you click on an episode to The Happiness Quotient. It's all me. So let's just consider us one big happy family where we all learn together brought here by our common interests and our desire to create a better world one episode at a time. I love you. Thank you. Now to the episode. Two more deaths on Everest bring the number to eight this season, and there are over 200 successful summits. It is peak season on Mount Everest, and the drama continues. Apparently, there is a problem in the ice fall where some more ice has fallen from a hanging serac has stopped teams from leaving base camp for their summit bids. But the weather is settled and the long weather window continues. Many hundreds of people are still making their way or endeavoring to make their way toward the summit. I have a great interview with Explorers Web reporter and journalist Angela Benavides from her home in Spain. We'll elucidate and elaborate on many of the stories that are taking place on Everest and throughout the Nepal Himalaya. One of the deaths on the mountain was an Indian woman who was endeavoring to become the first and oldest Indian woman, but the first to climb the mountain with a pacemaker. A very interesting story indeed. If it didn't end so horribly, it would be something perhaps we could take some time to comment on. Angela will talk about that. If any of you have been watching my shorts that I've posted, you've also heard about the new record set by Kami Rita Sherpa, who has summited Everest for his 27th time. Incredible. He's 53 years old and still going. And also Kenton Cool, he has summited Everest for his 17th time, becoming the person with the most summits for a non-Nepali. And interestingly, a 16-year-old climber, a Chinese girl, Sui Cho Yuan, successfully reached the top of Everest via the South Coal route at 5.42 a.m. on May 15th. It is an interesting time indeed when the Mount Everest season is in its peak. And Angela Benavides today has informed me that she has already written four stories and I'm sure her day or evening because she's about five hours ahead of me is probably still going strong as the stories continue to unfold and evolve on Mount Everest, Dalagiri and beyond. And after the interview with Angela, you're going to want to stick around because I'm going to give the results of two amazing polls that I did on Everest Mystery. The answer is coming up after the interview before the end of this video and another poll question. Before we get to the interview with Angela Benavides from Explorers Web, I want to let the Mallory and Irvin sleuths know that I'm working on an awesome story about Mallory and Irvin, about the mystery, and that 
story should be ready by the 99th anniversary of their disappearance, which is on June 8th of this year. And boy, have things really changed since then, wherein in 1924, after the death and disappearance of Mallory and Irvin, it took weeks for the news to reach home. Now the news is instantaneous. And Angela has said that Everest, it's changing so much that people have right at their pockets the ability to post instantly on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and text their families literally or call their families from the summit of Mount Everest. It's really an immediate age. Angela has called it the industrial age of mountaineering, and it surely rings true here. We began our conversation talking about social media and how instantaneous it is, and then we moved on to talk about some of the important stories that are taking place on Everest and throughout the Nepal Himalaya. Here's my conversation with Angela. Enjoy. Uh, but what I find it hard to explain is that if you ask me, oh, well, there's a record number of people, there are lots of summits, no one has yet posted on super big uh, traffic yams. We, there might be, mm. but if they are, no one's speaking about them, right? You have uh, teams trying to coordinate in order to avoid them. We have a beautiful long summer window right now. And yet we have news of people passing away every single day, which is, you know, when you see it from an informative point of view, it's just information. But the huge drama behind someone dying on a mountain, it's enormous for the families, for the friends, the the. the the people involved engage with them, even if even if on social media, right? It's, mm. uh, well, it, it's it's hard, and and then sometimes we are like, sorry for my bad English. It's like it's dehumanized in the sense that it's just okay, yeah. So just someone else, someone else dying because he shouldn't be there. We involuntarily tend to surprise ourselves with moral judgment which is unfair of course right oh uh we had this uh, there was an indian woman who passed away today and it's really sad and she uh wanted to be the first person summiting everest with a pacemaker so it didn't work obviously but uh i don't know it, it's so easy to surprise yourself because it's not something you do on purpose right it's just the automatic reaction and oh what were you doing there with a pacemaker or you shouldn't have been there those are moral judgment that Mm -hmm. we are not really entitled to do but then we have this day after day Everest is always under a magnifying glass, no matter what. Mm -hmm. So we put ourselves there willingly and and put ourselves Mm -hmm. in the firing line, so to speak, by promoting our grand adventures on the highest mountain in the world. But, um, but you're right. So when somebody dies, it, it, from the outside, it tends to be a statistic. Ooh, this is so interesting, but there's eight families right now mourning the loss of a loved one and teams trying to organize and get the information out uh, without having anything incorrect going out. And so you search through the internet. I went and after that gentleman from Moldova passed away, I think yesterday, I found a picture of him, this wonderful photograph of him excitedly trekking uh, Mm. to the Kumbu. And he was just this 
kind of cool guy going on an adventure and he's gone now. And um, it is a lot of drama, but there's also a lot of successes. You, you would, uh, I read that on climbing the seven summits, they had 44 ascents, successful ascents. Um, Furtenbach has a hundred percent summit success right now. So there's a lot of good things as you're saying happening, but um, can you give me a little rundown of, you had said Dolagiri, there was a, a rescue there. Okay, so right now what we have on Dolagiri is the a quite popular climber from Spain. His name was Carlos Soria. He was 84 years old and he was attempting Dolagiri stubbornly for, I think it was the 14th time. But he uh, he was injured on Dolagiri very high up, very high up at some 7,700 meters, which was right below the summit area. Uh, at the end of the traverse, that's a very dangerous, a very bad place to have an accident. And that's what happened. It was apparently some someone slipping down and a piece of fixed rope, which went loose, something, but enough to break his leg. And Ooh. then he had to be rescued down, right? And as I said, he was, the, the short story is that he was finally airlifted today to hospital from Camp 2, where he will be well cared of and well treated. But there's a lot of questions lingering there, right? About how do you react to a rescue? Because the fact is that they had to ask for help to two police climbers who were already in Kathmandu. They had climbed Dolagiri before and they were in Kathmandu, I guess, planning to go home. Uh-huh. But uh, they they asked for the help. They uh, airlifted and dropped them on camp two. And they had to contribute to the rescue, which is great. I mean, they're amazing people. And it's not the first time they are willing to to give a hand to someone in trouble. And uh, they're very strong. Both of them are extremely strong. But then you say, okay, there were more people on the mountain. There are lots of details that we don't know. Was there no one else to help? Was maybe the people willing to help not skilled enough for such kind of rescues? Um, was Carlos not supported enough? In apparently he was, right? He he always said that, yeah, I'm climbing with a lot of Sherpas, but that's what we do in order not to ever need help from anyone else. But then an accident took place and he needed help and his mm. team was not enough. So, well, let's see how this unfolds because we have the rescue with a happy ending. And now what we have is a story behind and some open debate that I think it's healthy, it's necessary Okay, with such a blooming industry, the 8,000ers, and that's only my point of view, yeah. uh, re- there should be a rescue service, uh, as well as there is, uh, you know, the, the Kumbu Icefall, it's a, it's a team specific to open the route on Everest through the Kumbu Icefall. Maybe we need a, a, a professional rescue service in with really skilled people, well paid, right? Because it's not yeah. as simple as asking someone to risk their lives for... Uh, mountain solidarity which is great but yeah. well uh, it's not that simple anymore <laughs> that's dolagiri on makalu we have another rescue at least one other rescue but there were some other people in trouble um people who was going without oxygen and here we have another debate open and also a moral dilemma in which i have to include myself i'm i'm, I'm thinking a lot about that Sometimes we media, we promote uh, the mountaineering spirit of no oxygen assisted climbs. Mm. But then I wonder if some of the downsides of it is that we have people who 
are risking too much in order to go without oxygen. And they, they reach the summit, but they are very slow. And eventually on the way down, they cannot just continue. Mm -hmm. So, well, I wonder where that pressure from media, from the community uh, might have this somber side too. Yeah. But we have that on Everest. Well, there's, I don't know how many summits. I, I, I am not able to count them anymore, but we do. We might have a record this year again. There yeah. was a record number of permits, and there might well be a record number of summits. Yeah, we have people, uh, you know, the the regular guides, as I say on Everest, they are there every year. They have like 10, 20 summits of Everest because they work there every year. It's like, but it's the Alps, it's, it's the, like the mountain guides in the Alps or Denali, right? They They climb the mountain several times per season and, and it's the same on Everest just in a at a bigger scale. Yeah. And Kanchen Yunga, I'm trying to find out because we have Christine Harilaur of Norway there. Uh I'm still gathering some information. So because though there was a there was a summit push, uh, some people retreated but then Christine Harila announced she had summited and we can see it on her tracker. Uh, she is engaged in that record quest of submitting the 48,000 dollars in six months. And she's got now four of them out of four attempts, which is great. But then also we have this debate, right? In the sense that in a time of resetting our priorities of uh, rethinking what is the meaning of mountaineering, the spirit of adventure, um, the 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 sport side of it not better or worse just in a moment of crisis that's what i say when when we reset everything and we try to understand what's going on right now why why, why what does it mean uh, like two thousand people on everest moving up and down the mountain at the same time wow right uh, mm -hmm. so yeah that's what i've seen and and that's why it it's exciting uh, on the one side there's so much going on it's strange because everything is like at a bigger scale, um, more industrial, I have to say, with more people, but less valuable information. Angela, thank you so much for your tireless dedication to the stories that are unfolding on Mount Everest and beyond. In the meantime, we'll certainly keep our eyes on the Explorer's Web homepage. I'll post that link in the notes and description of this video. If you have enjoyed what you've heard today, I hope you'll take a moment to subscribe to this channel, Everest Mystery, and also click the Join button and take a look at the membership. It's a very low entry fee to get in to help support me and the work that I'm doing here. Okay, and now to the answers of the poll. I asked a question as an unabashed fan of Mr. Beast, who on his page asked a question. If someone offered you $10,000, but if you took it, a random person somewhere on planet Earth dies, would you take the $10,000? 22% of the people said yes, and you can make the checkout too. 
blank for their name, and then 78% said no way. Interesting to consider that in about 200 votes, that 22% represents more than 40 people who are no longer living because those 40 people would enjoy $10,000. Crazy, right? Okay, the next poll question. What is more dangerous, climbing Mount Everest or driving a car? 72% said easy climbing Mount Everest is way more dangerous. And then 28% said, oh, come on, driving a car is definitely more dangerous. Interesting, right? Well, the fact is that generally speaking, you have a one in a hundred chance of dying if you try to climb Mount Everest, if you leave base camp, that is going up higher on the mountain. Now, driving a car You have a 1 in 103% chance if you are driving a car in the United States, which makes the odds for dying about equal. So I guess climbing Mount Everest is more dangerous. Amazing. In the coming days, I'll put some more poll questions up. Thanks for your answers. And if you haven't answered and would like to take part in the poll question, go to the community tab and you can find the poll questions there. And now I think I hear someone singing. Yep, that's it. Thanks for being here. I really appreciate you for taking time out of your day to spend some time on this channel. Have an awesome day. Be well, be kind, take good care of yourselves, and take good care of those people that you love, and do a kind act to somebody you don't know today. It will make you feel better, and it will make them feel better too. Peace out, my friends. If you're still here, please, I would love it if you checked out my Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash Everest Mystery and my YouTube channel, Everest Mystery. Check me out. And as always, leave comments and share your thoughts whenever you can and share it with friends who might be interested in hearing or listening or watching. Thanks so much.